Hello and welcome to another episode of the Project Purple Podcast. I'm Dino Varelli, founder and CEO of Project Purple and the host of the Project Purple Podcast. We have another interview for you coming up with three very special guests after a few quick updates. As we record this episode, this is just amazing. The Project Purple Podcast has surpassed over 100,000 downloads. So I want to thank all the guests over the last almost, I think we're almost at like six and it. Well, I think it's like seven years. It's crazy. It's over six years, six years plus for allowing us to share their journeys and to all the listeners out there for sharing and listening to this podcast. You guys have made this podcast what it has become. You are the reason why we do it. Um, it's just been awesome. This has been just an awesome, awesome ride on this Project Purple podcast. Thank you to everyone who's believed in it. We're already through 2023 as we record this, and we set another record. So 2023 was our best year ever in terms of fundraising. And I just want to thank everyone who has supported, donated, or participated in a Project Purple event in 2023. We've already launched many of our 2024 marathon teams. Exciting news, we are back in the Boston Marathon as an official charity partner. This now makes us an official charity partner of the five largest world marathons. Many of our other 2024 races will be launching very soon. We're excited to bring back our virtual series as well. We'll be kicking things off in March with Purple Patties, which will be launching very soon. For those local in the Connecticut area, we are excited to announce our second annual charity pickleball classic coming up on February 24th in Oxford, Connecticut. Super excited to bring that back. We had a lot of fun with that last fall. And off that success, we are coming back really quick uh, with our second annual charity Pickleball Classic. To learn more about all these great events, visit our website at projectpurple.org and make sure to follow us on social media to stay up to date on all things Project Purple. Without further ado, let's meet our three special guests today. We've got our reigning most, uh, I guess, how do we put this? The the reigning champion of most appearances (laughs) on the Project Purple podcast, program manager. Welcome once again, Vin Camp. Hey, everybody. Good to be here. uh, Now, Sam hasn't been on that much, but... uh, Marketing manager, producer extraordinaire, Sam DaCosta. Welcome once again, Sam. You've been on before. You just haven't. Well, you know, I guess you would take the reins of like being involved in the podcast as much as I have since you've been with us since day one on this. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the claim to most like back end now. <laughs> Correct. You, pro- you probably listened to the most episodes along with myself. Um, and then making his first appearance here. Uh, on the Project Purple podcast, part of the marketing team, Zach Gerstner. Welcome to the Project Purple podcast for the first time, Zach. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. And uh, you don't know how long I've been waiting and asking Dino to be on it. So this is great. (laughs) Awesome. Awesome. So this is kind of a special podcast for us here at Project Purple. I know we've done these in the past and this is kind of you know, for those that know me, I don't, we don't sit on our, our, uh, our successes, right? Like we, with, with cancer, especially with pancreatic cancer, you, you can't really like sit on things or celebrate. You kind of, kind of have to keep moving, right? Cause cancer doesn't take a break. Neither does project purple. 
uh, as those who know me well enough know I've said that in the past. Uh, but this episode, we kind of take a step back and just look at the success that we've had in 2023. So I know this is titled the top 10 moments. I think we're going to give more than 10 because we've had such an amazing year. Um, and you guys have played a big part in that and, um, you know, here at the home office. So what we wanted to do is bring some key staff members onto the podcast and just like, let's talk about it. Let's talk about these top 10 moments. And, you know, some of them uh, happen within the last couple of months. Some of them happen like early on in the year. And I think it's always just a great way to kind of reflect and also give thanks to those people for uh, for making 20, making 2023 such a great year. So um, with that, let's, uh, I'm going to open it up. So I know we, we, we kind of said, you know, in, in no particular order, we were going to kind of go through our top 10. I know recently the marketing team put together a great top 10, which was a survey. Um, so maybe we'll start with Sam DaCosta, maybe giving one of his top 10 moments. And again, Sam, this doesn't have to be in any order, but just something that, uh, that you feel was like a top 10. Gotcha. Um, Man, I thought there's a lot of really cool stuff, but I mean, I'm always partial to those moments where we get to share survivor stories. Um, that was kind of like a little bit more of a broad topic in the top 10 because it was hard to pick just one. But um, any chance we got to sit down in person with survivors and interview people, um, the podcast is you know kind of a part of that. It's really special. But any chance that we get to actually go out, sit down, um, get the camera out and, and have a good conversation in person with these survivors is, is really, really special to us. So that's, that's definitely one I'd like to put in. Yeah. I think this year was really special for us. I think as a, as the podcast has grown as we're recording a podcast, I think we've gotten uh, the ability to really kind of carve out a niche, I guess you would say in sharing so many survivor stories, right. And journeys and I, I think this year was really special from a survivor standpoint as well. You know, we, and I guess I'll, I'll throw in somewhat of a combo here, you know, our hall of fame, which has become kind of this survivor thing. Um, and, and not necessarily this year, we inducted someone who had passed, but it was more of a celebration of who that person was of surviving and, and thriving while he was battling. And that was Kevin King and his wife gave a, an amazing speech about Kevin and, you know, is about how he battled and how well he battled, right, in his journey. And, and then you throw in in the fall, you know, we did our first ever Survivor Summit. So I know, Sam, you, you talk about the podcast, but I think like this overlaying reach here was like 2023 was this little bit of a year of survivors. And then we even had some survivors run on our marathon teams, right? Yeah, that was, and that was one of mine. So Sam, good kickoff on that because he stole one of mine. But um, I mean, that that was we had a few uh, runners, I think, on on a lot of the teams. We had runners, you know, survivors run for us, which is always special. Right. I mean, I think that just brings our messaging and, and why we're doing what we're doing uh, up to a completely like different level. It just adds another layer to what we're doing. Um, but not even you know, for me you know, to add in you know, the golf outing, the Hall of Fame, you know, the survivor stories, I think the blogs in general. You know, for me to overlay like that whole podcast blog series that the marketing team has put together, I think just with the stories in general, there were so many stories of not only survivors, but also which we, you know, we're celebrating them, but also, you know, why people got into running, why people are, are doing it. 
And I think that big general picture of that was really impactful, you know, throughout the course of the year. And to see that grow for me, you know, from the marketing, you know, standpoint, you know, kudos, you, you guys knocked it out of the park with all those stories you were able to put together. If you think about, and Vin, I love how you mentioned the golf outing. So the golf, you know, we do this Hall of Fame induction during the golf um, reception at the end of the day. But if you even go back, like our, our biggest sponsor this year in our golf outing, um, you know, he was a partner um, with uh, with the other company, you know, Charney Company and, and Tavros, right? Charney's dad is a survivor, yeah. right? So if you really think back to the, and, you know, he, you know, they've gotten super involved with uh, what we're doing here and, and special thanks to, to both those companies, you know, for supporting our golf outing, give them a quick shout out here. But, you know, like if you start to like really peel back the layers and, and then we start looking at some of those relationships that we've kind of strengthened in 2023, kind of comes back to survivors, which is kind of really kind of freaky, you know, now that we think about that, you know, and how it's all kind of intertwined into that. So it's just really, really special. Um, you know, 2023 was a special year for that. Zach, I know you worked a lot on the podcast. You've been you've been doing a lot of things for us. I know you've you've dealt with a lot of the survivors and finding them on on social media. What's that been like for you as we stay on the survivor topic here? Um, I mean, it's been really cool, right? Like, because the way I look at it is, I haven't done anything like this uh, in my career so far. It's been very short lived, but you know, it's just really unique to kind of hear their story, and no one story is the same. So when you're talking to these people and it's also finding like the language and kind of, I guess my biggest thing was, am I going to overstep and say something that is going to, I guess, like push them away. But at the end of the day, they're just normal people and they just really want to be heard. And this is honestly like one of the best things about working here at Project Purple has been being that way for these survivors to get their stories out there and then just you'll you'll be surprised how many people reach out to us and they're like, oh, I relate to that. I'm going through this. And you just connect everyone together. And that's like the strongest piece of, I guess, Project Purple that you don't see a lot in like some of the other charities and whatever. They don't really focus on the personal aspect and personal relationship with the people that they are raising the money for. And I feel like that's kind of like the biggest thing that I've taken away from reaching out and talking to all these people. And you know, I feel like you all do such a good job at including them and making them feel like they are Project Purple and their voices do matter. And they really do. And I, I feel like I'm just rambling now, but it's just it's like the it's the best like that's I, I don't know how to say it, but it's like the best part of working at Project Purple is allowing these people to be heard and just get their stories out there and really like make the impact because we're that's who we're fighting for at the end of the day. So. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah, I think there's like a good portion of like the survivors that are apt to share their story largely because when they first got their diagnosis, the first thing they did was run in and grab a bunch of statistics and the statistics are terrifying. But the reality is there's a lot of also really positive stories on the other side. And there are like really positive examples. And I think that a lot of survivors we feature, piece of feedback that I get is like, some of them kind of wish that they had been able to hear more of the stories that they themselves are sharing. So we kind of give them an opportunity to do that. It's great stuff. All right. I'm going to go down to uh, here in my screen. Vin is below me. So we're going to go to Vin here and, and share what are his uh, top 10 moments uh, for the year. Um, 
Yeah, I had a lot at being the first time I oversaw the teams and, and being here, you know, not only the most appearances on here, but uh, the most tenured outside of UD now. <laughs> so there's a lot of, a lot of experiences. Um, but I guess I'll, I'll go with, um, you know, with the Blue Gala, the Blue Gala dream. Um, you know, this was higher on my list that I made my personal 10, but I think that was a real the blue dream. The, the Blue Dream. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was real unique. Uh, you know, one, it was, you know, connected me back to my hometown, you know, in, in Southampton, you know, where it was, where, where it took place. Um, but I think that was just really a special moment. I wasn't able to be there. I, Dino was there and representing us, of course. And that was, you know, to see the pictures and hear the stories and, you know, hear everything that went on there and to be represented at that gala, which I've heard of before. Um, but never really been a part of was, you know, really special in multiple ways for me, not only to be honored there, but to have that link back, you know, to my hometown, you know, type thing. Um, now that, you know, I've moved to Connecticut and now down in South Carolina, it was real, a real good, like, you know, circle for me to, to complete and you're a real unique situation. Yeah. You know, I, I think you guys have heard me say this, like, we don't really, uh, I, I try to find the proper analogy here. Like you never count your chickens until your eggs hatch. Right. And, yeah. but then, you know, being here the longest, like, you know, like there's always like, not that we rely on this. And this is like the hard part from budgeting. There's always every year, there's something I'd say big, but yeah, I mean, I guess I, I, over the 13 years, there's always been like, as we've evolved, right. In terms of like where we are from a, an organizational standpoint and where I mean with this and this aspect is like the dollars raised. Right. So in the very beginning, it's like, whoa, we got a $5,000 check like that first year. And you're like, wow, man, like when you're doing $40,000, 5,000, it's a big number, right? It, it becomes, you know, a significant percentage of what you're bringing in. Fast forward now, to where we've seen every year, we we kind of there's things that happen in a good way that impact us in a positive way to allow us to continue to do the things we're doing in a positive way. And not that we necessarily are looking for those, right? Like a couple of years we've had, you know, runners. You know, I remember, you know, back in 2015, we had a runner and you know, they she raised a hundred thousand dollars. Right. And and that was like at that point, you're like, oh my God, like that's never happened before. And you know, like this is amazing. And um, you know, but we're doing all the right things from a fundraising perspective and then from what we do with the money, right? Like our programs and the programs that we're we're, we're supporting, right? And so we get to this point this year where we're like, you know, we came out of COVID. The last, you know, last year was kind of a, still a weird year, right? Like in the beginning of the year, we still dealt with some things, you know, from an organizational standpoint um, that were out of our control, you know, in terms of races and stuff like that, still kind of being stuck in, and not being stuck, but still kind of going in that 2020 mode and 21 mode. So this year was like that first full year where I, th- I feel like we felt like things were back to pre-pandemic, you know, and so we had this opportunity and Again, not that we were expecting this, but we had done all the right things before that. And I think it's just kind of a, a culmination. And, you know, that that gift, you know, we were blessed, man. Blue Dream, you know, was, uh, you know, through the Pantelitis family, which, you know, last year we we put out a named fund in memory of, uh, you know, an honor, I should say, at the time of, of the Pantelitis family, which has been a big supporter of ours, you know, over the last six years uh, due to, you know, uh, Jim Pantelitis. 
uh, you know, is a big part of our community uh, at many of our New York races, you know, battling pancreatic cancer. And unfortunately, he passed away in, in March of this year, or April of this year. And, and, you know, Blue Dream, which, uh, you know, is a great event that happens every uh, every year for, I think, the last six or seven years in Southampton. You know, they really give back to a lot of amazing charities. And we were really blessed to uh, to receive, you know, the $175,000 check, you know, to support our efforts here in terms of research and in honor of the, you know, of Jim Pantelidis and the family and everything they've done for the Greek Orthodox community there in Southampton and across the across the country. So it's just really kind of like a culmination of things, uh, but really, really special. And, you know, clearly for you, Vin, being born and raised in Southampton, that had to be pretty surreal. Yeah. When you when you announced it, it you know took me back a little bit because, like I said, I've heard about it. Um, yeah. I have no, no people that have attended it. But, um, you know, to have us, a, a rep, a, an organization that I'm a part of and, and represent to be a part of that, uh, it was really, really special. And like you said, it, you know, it's not something we went after actively. It just, I mean, for lack of a better term, fell into our laps, so to say. And, you know, like you said, it's all the hard work. Um, you know, those things just, you know, hard work pays off and, you know, those things come out. Um, and it's really, really special to see that kind of stuff happen. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, all right, let's go to, uh, we're gonna head down below to Zach. And Zach, this is your opportunity to kind of share one of your top 10 moments. Yeah, so I guess I'm I'm hoping I'm not going to take anyone's. But for me, it was really cool to be at the uh, New York City Marathon for the first time, right? Like I grew up in New York and I still live you in New took, York. You just took Vin's second one, but that's all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Vin. But um, no, because like you hear all about the New York City Marathon, but I've never been there. And so finally got to the point where I had the opportunity to go with Project Purple. And it was really cool, like the entire experience and just interacting with the run team, as well as like, I guess their families or like friends and all their supporters just at the different cheer zones. And then at the dinner after and just kind of right, because I guess the way I look at it is I do a lot of social media. So I'm, I'm always interacting with these people through a screen. So it's nice to put like uh, a voice behind the face that I'm actually texting and talking to. And uh, it's really nice to actually hear their stories and hear more of why they're running. And like, I, I guess, right, I just, it's it's nice to be out in the front lines and kind of not just stuck behind the phone or something or behind a computer. Like I'm sure Sam, like, you know what I'm talking about. It's nice to actually be able to interact with these people through like, real conversation because i guess that's where it's going away but i'm getting sidetracked but anyways back to the new york city marathon i just honestly had a great time like you're just there and the energy is surreal everybody's happy it's a good time no one's like even the runners right if you're just there cheering them on like i 26 miles it's it's a lot like i could tell i saw people cramping but just standing there saying you got this keep pushing they look at you and then they give you a smile, even though they're probably going through hell. I've never ran a marathon, but it was just a really unique and ex uh, surreal experience. Zach, I think you, you're saying that you want to sign up for a marathon next year. I'm going to piggyback on that, Dino, because I think at the cheer zone in Manhattan, I think those words came out of his mouth that he could run in like a sub five, sub four. I forget. I don't know. But 
that's how I got sucked into my first one. So I think it's Zach's getting sucked into his first one now. I said I think I could do a sub five, but <laughs> I would probably need some sort of training. I originally said <laughs> I didn't need any training to do a sub five, but then I kept seeing everyone cramp up. And even now, like if I play basketball for like an hour, my body is like shot and I'm cramping. So I, I'm going to need some sort of training if I'm going to run a marathon, but we'll see. Right. We, we cross that bridge when it comes. Never say never, Zach, as they say. Right. Yeah. Uh, New York was pretty special and I'm glad you guys got to experience that, uh, you know, from the team and, and, you know, record set, you know, records are made to be broken. So the bar has been set there in New York you know, in terms of fundraising, then what do we, uh, we came in and we're still counting, you know, matches are still coming in, but what, what was the record set there? Uh, as of yesterday, we're at 514,448 to be exact. And that was with a bunch of matches that came in, you know, the past month. Um, yes, 514,000. Uh, amazing. Yeah. To see that number, we had a discussion um, leading up into the marathon and where this team was going to go. And yeah. I think we had some dinner bets going on back and forth. I, I think I won the bet, though. You know, won the bet, and yeah. that number just kept climbing and climbing. And it was it was surreal and special to really see where this team you know brought it. Um, but like you said, records are meant to be broken. So twenty twenty four better get ready. Yeah, really, really special. And and I think um, you know there were some really really cool things. I think from Sam your standpoint you know from a marketing perspective i think you know this year you know having a full team both cheer zones just really cool how we were able to capture so much uh you know of the stories and and you know the the things that i think zach kind of alluded to you know just like getting to know these runners i know vin works with them you know day in day out but from a marketing perspective to really kind of share and and guide these runners through that journey and and you know, New York is such a special place. I, I think for the obvious, you know, it, it is the Mecca of everything. And when it comes to marathoning, you know, it's the world's largest marathon. You know, everyone brings it that day. Um, and it's just really, really special. And I think we've kind of grown as a group um, as we support those runners on, on race weekend and all the things we do. All right. My turn here for, uh, for top 10 moments. And, uh, my one of my top ten moments, and you know, there's so many, right? And so this this becomes really uh, difficult. But I, I think for me this year is just the records that uh, that we set with our patient financial aid program. And so you know, this has been a record year. I think we're up to like 263 families that we've supported this year financially. Um, 200,000, you know, in terms of patient financial aid, that, that's, that's hard dollars. Um, I know this for a fact because I was just helping process a bunch of uh, uh, bills the other day, just chipping in because we're trying to get, uh, you know, as many people as possible supported during this holiday season. And so uh, just really, really special for me, because if you look back at the inception and, and you know, this is kind of like one of those foundational pieces for me as I, as I say and as I look back you know when I had this idea to start project purple it was about helping people helping families through this journey and you might say well you know what is help you know how, how, how have you done that or like what does it mean to like 
okay, so you're paying someone's mortgage or their co-pays or their utility bills. Man, it, it's just so wild that, you know, if we look back, I think now we're close to like 1,500 families. I know we say over a thousand, but I was looking at some numbers and I, I think it's like close to 1,500 now, you know, and, and you look at the dollars, like it's well over a million, um, you know, in terms of what we've been able to provide back. That's some real numbers, man. And, you know, I, I think as every anyone listening knows the, the fact of inflation, you know, how costly things have become. Um, to be able to help people to to go in and, and support families during this critical time is just so powerful and so impactful. So to me, like one of my, you know, this is probably up there like one or two. Um, it is in my top 10, but it's just the, the success of the PFA program. And to kind of caveat to that, you know, our Nutrate program, which we put another, you know, another 200,000 total. So, you know, this year alone, you know, we're talking about $400,000 back to patients and their families for support from financial aid and then for meals, um, which to me, like, again, is just so impactful and so powerful and, you know, really kind of, uh, I always say we kind of stay in our lane and we worry about ourselves, but, you know, for us to have that impact this year is just monumental. Yeah. The algebra, but that one was on mine as well, you know, up there as well. Cause you know, again, since I've been here, you know, seeing, you know, that number increase every year and seeing, you know, not understanding it really when I first worked, like same thing, like, Oh, why are we paying like a mortgage? But you know what? It opened up that sense of like that stress of having to play a bill, which, you know, we're already, you know, these people are already dealing with the stress of going through this disease, you know, to alleviate that, to free up some payments for, uh, you know, for, you know, medications or what, hospital stays or whatever it is, um, you know, to see that grow over the years, you know, from my point of view, was, it has been, you know, really, uh, you know, impactful on many levels. Um, and to see like the food be able to be provided to, you know, families, um, you know, again, you know, why worry about cooking? We can get you stuff. We can get you on a program. Like just worry about this hope and this battle, you know, and you know, we got your back on the rest. You know, we can, we can support a lot of people. And it's, it's really special to see that too. Yeah, it's, it's pretty special. Um, and, and, you know, uh, I hope we do more in 2024. Um, you know, a lot of that's predicated on, you know, what, what we do here as an organization, you know, in terms of fundraising. So, you know, full disclosure, I say that often, like, I don't know why, but I don't know, maybe just the way it goes, but, um, you know, our budget this year was 150 for PFA, you know, and, and we upped it because of the success of, of our programs and because of the supporters and the people listening and watching. So, you know, the, uh, there's that thing I've always said, and I've said it often, the more we raise, the more we're going to put out. So um, I think that's just a testament, you know, being able to have a record year and supporting families is just a testament to everyone who supported us um, because we don't do it alone. So, all right, back up to uh, to Sam DaCosta for another uh, top 10 moment here. Yeah. That hasn't um... been mentioned. One that hasn't been mentioned. Uh, yeah. Can I take one that's a little bit off the uh, the actual bullet itself? Because I yeah, thought Sam. that the Survivor Summit was like a really powerful um, and inspiring moment. 
uh, just to get that many. I, so I'll, I'll step back and think of the podcast for a minute. When we first started the podcast, we would get like 10, 20 views. And, um, you know, like it's hard to start anything. And in those moments, like there were days where that felt a little bit disheartening. And then I kind of reframed it and started thinking about it. I was like, well, if you had 10 to 20 people in a room physically listening to these stories, how would you feel about that? That would feel pretty important and pretty powerful, right? Um, so, you know, obviously, like the podcast numbers have changed. We've got like 100,000 views. But now we actually got the opportunity to have survivors together and put that many people in a room and have each other hear those stories and have each other hear um very, very valuable information from some top researchers in their, in their areas, uh, and some experts in their areas. And to be able to physically see that happen was really cool. It was kind of a full circle moment, almost poetic where, uh, you know, we're getting all these views now. There's all these things going on, but at the end of the day, it still comes down to getting people into a room and, and hearing their stories and sharing their stories. So, um, I thought that was awesome. And there's, I could ramble on and on for hours about it how much fun I had at that event, how powerful I thought it was, but I will give the floor back. <laughs> yeah. I, I know Vin and, and Zach, you guys weren't able to attend, but I, I think, I guess I'll just throw in here. I, I you know, anytime you get people in a room and they're all like-minded, uh, it, it's pretty wild to see what happens, you know, just to be kind of, and I think that was that moment, you know, when we got all these people in the room together and you just kind of sit back and just let them go and and just let them like really kind of connect. It's just really, really special. And and this did, I mean, we, we haven't done anything to this degree um, in the past. I think we've had like in our teams, we've had some people like that, like connected and, you know, survivors, you know, like family members and stuff. And I've seen a little bit of that over the years. Um, but, you know, those are quick interactions. Like people are in and out of, you know, meet and greets or dinners or, you know, after parties, right? It's not as if everyone's sitting there for eight hours, like connecting and sharing. And and so it's pretty wild. And so, uh, yeah, that, that's a great one. And I, you know, I go back to the very beginning, you know, I, I, I think you mentioned the the survivor stories and, and everything. I think it's just, uh, it's just so powerful. It's what, it's why we do what we do. Yeah. So, and I think, um, you know, I expected, and I did learn a lot from like the experts that we brought in, but like the survivors absolutely like took me to school. Man. Like I learned so much more about what their experience is and the things that they go through, um, you know, because before I only was able to talk to one or two at a time. But once they get going about things like the post Whipple attack, which isn't super studied, but it's one of those things that a lot of them seem to go through. And then they kind of were riffing off each other and building on that idea. Um, I just kind of came back with so motivated and so many more you know so many more questions for like research topics so many more ideas like that was that that event just like it lit a fire i mean how could it not be what it is but it just lit a fire i thought it was awesome good stuff all right back down to vin for one of his top 10 moments um uh, going back to the races i think because i yeah i lived in the races this year uh we already touched on new york uh but i'm gonna hit chicago um, Chicago, you know, was, was right behind in term a uh, New York in terms of fundraising. So they're just under $450,000 raised, but, and, you know, my, the positive or my top 10 moment there is the largest team we ever had, um, 120, 123 charity runners. I think we had 150 or so at the end of, you know, own entries and, you know, that kind of stuff or deferrals and, 
you know, just to see the size of that team. And I wasn't able to be in Chicago because I was at a wedding, but, um, you know, the day of the race, um, you know, to see all the pictures and to hear all the stories, um, you know, from the runners saying that the streets were purple, you know, and then that's, you know, the more people we get into these races, the more we're able to do, the more those streets are going to be purple and people are going to be seeing that running to be pancreatic cancer on the back. So 133 plus runners on a course, I think that's pretty, you know, speaks volumes to, you know, what we've done in Chicago and, you know, what we're going to do, you know, in the future. Yeah. I, you know, how do I put this? Cause then uh, I, I'd sound like a jerk. Cause I just said, New York is the best, but <laughs> I don't know, man, Chicago is like slowly creeping up to like be like a hard like one b or like a one c i guess because i i'm torn man i i'm really person so like you know you got to take your emotions out of it and look at it from a from a logical standpoint and for me emotionally like i'm always going to be emotionally connected to new york because that was the first race we got into um it was my first marathon I've only done Chicago once. I've done New York three times. And there's a reason for that because it's just like the, the energy. But Chicago has like, you know, and, and coming out of the pandemic, like Chicago just, I don't know, man. They just like kept it together or they just like, ah, I, like the race. I'm talking about the race here. They just like brought it up another level or two man and you know this year chicago marathon for for those that are like we, we probably have some hardcore runners running it's the fastest marathon ever uh you know uh in chicago you know so you know the world record was set um there or, or the course record was set right and in you know the u.s in both on the men and the women so it was a super fast race i think we've grown really like dramatically in the Chicago market, which is really wild. And just like how that race has just become like this really, like really, really, really special race for us now, you know, in our portfolio. And, and not only have we seen like all the special stuff grow, but we've also seen the numbers, which is really cool for like a, a top five marathon in the world that we're able to kind of like jump, make those leaps the way we're making them which is a little bit of a challenge in a lot of the other races, right? Like, you know, we can't show up to Boston with 150 runners, um, you know, but Chicago, we can do that. And it's just become this really special race. And yeah, this year was pretty cool, man. It was cold as shit, but like, uh, you know, I always say like, it, it's okay. Like those are good running days and they're, they're okay spectating days, but that's good because like the runners are going to have a great race. Yeah, yeah, as long as I'm not shooting so much that the camera shakes, I don't mind that cold. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, and I think we've kind of evolved too in Chicago. I think like the energy and, and everything that we've kind of done here, um, here at Project Purple really kind of resonates on that course, right? And not only from like our runner's perspective, but like from, you know, we got a, a pretty cool shout out this year from a Nugget Purr shout out, Emma Bates, you know, who was, uh, you know, finished you know, as one of the top Americans, uh, in the past at that race and, you know, was, was gunning for it this year and she didn't have the race she had, but, you know, she gave us a nice little shout out because, you know, we were out there early providing some purple energy that we do for all the runners. 
especially our runners, but also like all the runners that come through. So it, 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 Chicago's really become like a really, really cool thing for us. And I'm excited to kind of see where it goes next year because we'll have an even bigger team. And, uh, you know, uh, for those that have never run Chicago, I would highly recommend that you put it on your bucket list because it is uh, it has really become something special. All right. Over to Zach for uh, for one of his top tens. So this one wasn't as well, it, it's it's pretty big for us, but not as big as some of the other ones. But I'm going to go with the uh, charity pickleball classic for two reasons. One is I kind of worked very hands on with this and just getting it off the ground, getting it out there and everything. And then this is the second and most important reason is the way when we started to look at the event, we looked at, I guess, people in our community to play pickleball, whereas we needed to switch it and get people who played pickleball who aren't in our community. And that's where I feel like we were the most impactful with this event because we're going out and we're getting these people that most of them never even heard of Project Purple. Some of them never even heard of pancreatic cancer and just talking to them and getting that awareness to them, right? The awareness piece is one of the biggest aspects and just kind of just talking to them. Like I've had so many good conversations with some of the pickleball players who signed up for us, some of them who didn't, but they passed our flyers along and everything like that because they thought we had a great mission and they wanted to do what they could to help and just help us put on a successful event. So we're bringing in these people that we're bringing them into our community now that were relatively unaware, or even if they were, they didn't really weren't impacted, but just kind of bridging the gap between the two, I guess, different spaces. It's really helped us. And obviously that's why we're going to have another pickleball event in February, which Dino mentioned, but it's just really cool to get like an outside, outside of the community perspective into our space and what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Pickleball is cool, man. Like I know we did it as a team building event and that was kind of like the catalyst to say like, Hey, I mean, there was also one of our runners who had a very successful event in Kentucky, uh, which certainly helps. Um, and you know, clearly I think anything active, uh, I like to use the term endurance, right? Any of these endurance events can always be, um, you know, put into a charity model, right? And I just think it's just another great way. And to echo Zach's, you know, comments there, you don't have to be a runner, but anyone, you know, doing anything who, you know, is impacted by this disease, you know, there, if there's a will, there's a way, I guess I would say, right? And I think with pickleball has been really cool to see that growth and clearly off the success we had last year to bring it back again uh, fairly quickly here, like in less than six months, because uh, I think we're on to something and hopefully we can continue to build it. I don't know that that fast turnaround seems to be a trend with uh, our outside events because the golf outing turned around pretty quick that first year too, uh, which is what I want to you know piggyback on, on what Zach was saying too. You know, great event, you know, but that first year is that learning year, right? Like, you know that that story's out there now. People are aware of it now. You know, the you know even though it's coming back in the fall, I think it's going to be you know that more many that many more people are going to be involved, and you know it could grow into something. It, you know, this isn't our niche, right? It, it's not something that we're known for. But, you know, again, let's add to that portfolio. I think it's a, it's a great piece. And, you know, I wasn't there. But again, you know, it was a great event and pictures look great. And more people are going to be involved in the spring. It's going to be exciting to see that. Yeah, wait. 
Yeah, that was another cool, like, full circle thing because, um, you know, we've had the intern program a long time and, and our current team of interns is unbelievable. Um, that was one of those events where we kind of, you guys kind of drove the bus on that. And like, you got, you, all of you have a lot to be proud of throughout your, you know, whole internship cycle here. But that one, especially, like, that's hard to do is to start an event from the ground up. And, you know, we have experience to, for you guys to lean on as far as events, but like we were just as new to pickleball as you guys were. Um, so to see the, see you guys take the ball and run with it, like I was super proud of that. I thought that was so awesome to see um, and all the collaboration. It, it was just, it's excellent. Man. Like you guys deserve your flowers for that because that was a really cool event. That's hopefully going to be a staple for us for a while. Great stuff. All right, my turn here to add one more here, and uh, then we're going to open it up to to kind of round it out to, to 10 for anything that we missed here. But so for me, um, I go back to our programs, and uh, I guess maybe I, I kind of preface this like from a CEO standpoint, founder slash CEO, like I, I look at it from a, like a different lens sometimes. And Again, as I said before, like the more we raise, the more we do. And and this year was an, another record year for us. Not the most. Uh, it might be. might be, actually. But when you look at our other program, which is research, um, you know, and, and some of these we, we haven't like fully disclosed, I guess. Like they happen, but I know we're waiting on some stuff. So I know Sam's probably going to cringe here when I bring this up. But, you know, we... Uh, we gifted $100,000 to a smaller collaboration called TRIC, which involves uh, genetic um, clinical trials between John Hopkins, Memorial Sloan Kittering, OHSU, and uh, University of Pennsylvania uh, to help follow you know, patients going through pancreatic cancer and in the clinical trials uh, available for those patients that have a, a gene mutation related to pancreatic cancer, right? Because there's nothing right now, currently there's not, there's not like a large database set uh, for these patients. And we do know that up to 10% of the cases that are diagnosed in pancreatic cancer come from some sort of genetic mutation. So uh, this is kind of really exciting stuff because the data doesn't lie, but you need a place to collect the data. And so the hope here is that by collecting this data with this patient set, that um, we can understand clinical trials, which really work, which doesn't work, where where we where science can kind of look and and you know help patients better in, in terms of outcomes and treatments. So really exciting to be able to support that effort as that effort gets off the ground. Just recently, within the last couple of weeks, we announced another uh, grant to the University of Nebraska Medical Center for fifty thousand dollars. Um, and that's going to help support their program in early detection. Um, they've got one of the only rapid autopsy programs in the world um, with patients who have unfortunately passed from pancreatic cancer, but they're doing some really novel research um, with tissue and all the, the data that they've collected um, just due to technologies advancing as, as we've seen this huge, you know, I guess, you know, everyone thinks of like technology advances of AI, which is great. Um, but there's a lot of other technology advances that have happened, um, you know, over the last two years um, for these researchers to dissect tissue and blood and stuff. So there's really some exciting stuff. There's a lot happening. I know, uh, I, you know, people always hear that, like there's so much happening, but there really is. Um, we're in a very unique time 
when it comes to cancer research and not only from the AI aspect, but just from a technology standpoint, um, you know, so there's a lot happening. So that grant is going to help support that effort. Um, and then just recently, um, I know we announced 75,000 um, a couple months back to Hartford Healthcare to help them support their early detection program as they get that off the ground. Uh, but we just uh, kind of ponied up and gave them another 100 and, uh, 175,000, bringing the total to 250,000, a quarter of a million dollars to Hartford Healthcare here in Connecticut to, uh, to really support their early detection efforts. Uh, super excited for this partnership. Uh, Hartford Healthcare has now become the number one healthcare system in the state of Connecticut. Um, we're based in Connecticut. Uh, this was actually the the first time we've ever done anything. Uh, we've supported Yale in, in, in a very small aspect, uh, but from this standpoint, from the financial dollars that we're investing here in the state of Connecticut, is just super exciting. Um, and our goal with Hartford is to hopefully, you know, get into every single community here in Connecticut and you know get people screened, you know, for high risk and for early detection of pancreatic cancer. So super excited. So that brings our total for the year to $400,000 in, in new research grants. Okay. So when you look at the numbers, you know, I mentioned before PFA program. So this is like my top 10 second moment, like combining the two. So this is like a third one, I guess. But if you look at the programs, I just do the quick math, 200,000 PFA financial aid assistance, 200,000 nutrient, that's 400,000. We throw the 400,000 here in research. That's 800,000 this year um, in programs to support pancreatic cancer patients and pancreatic cancer researchers. So to me, my my second moment here was research, but I kind of tied both of those in there, um, you know, just in terms of what we're giving back. And again, the more we raise, the more we put back um, into supporting patients and supporting clinical efforts, uh, you know, in terms of helping finding early detection or curative treatments for this disease called pancreatic cancer. So that to me was kind of my second, you know, uh, top 10 moment. Yeah, I think it's always, you know, again, PFA is great. You know, research is what we're, what we're striving for to find early detection to end this thing and what's our mission in a world without pancreatic cancer you know without that research we're not doing that and, and you know to be able to give these numbers and to let runners and donors know what our money is actually going to it, it's amazing to you know to see you know that those funds going back into communities and, and programs that are advancing what our mission is so powerful my friend all right so let's open this up we got two left so I'll, Zach's chomping at the bit. He almost cut me off. And well, I didn't even get, even get I, the words out. I just, I just have one that I feel like everyone's kind of, and it's something we've been pushing at least a lot from a marketing standpoint recently, is that we are one of two charities that are an official uh, charity partner of five of the largest world marathons. And no one's touched on it yet. So I thought <laughs> I'd get that out there as one of the one of the two before you know like that's very impressive i haven't been here that long but i mean only two charities one of two i mean that's very impressive i was gonna say it was cool to get back to to be back in boston because when i started we i think in 17 we were or at least we went because we had a runner doing the pioneer i don't remember um but to, and then for years like why are we not in boston like I, we can't get into boston we can't get in and then to come back this year 
and get five spots. Like, you know, touched on before. I mean, I had 85 applications for five spots. Um, and to be in one of those world majors, you know, marathon Monday up there in Boston is going to be, uh, pretty special. And it, like, you know, five of the world majors, if we can ever figure out how to get into Tokyo, if anyone knows, let us know, <laughs> you know, we'll be in all six, but you know, pretty special, you know, to be in all five, because everyone wants to run these majors and, you know, we have waiting lists for them all. So it, it's cool to give people that opportunity to be able to run their bucket list dreams, you know, that they want to run. Yeah. We I mean, also have a, a Project Purple Runner running our very, uh, we're going to have our first stick star finisher in Dell Digit. So stay tuned for that story because that's coming up soon. So, yeah. No, that's a, Sam, that's a great point. And, yeah. you know, I, I think I go back to, uh, you know, the very beginning of all this. And, um, you know, running was so good to me. And I think for us, as Vin mentioned, we were in Boston from 14 uh to 2018 so we were there for four years and then i don't know we, i guess you could say we took a hiatus and now we're back and hopefully we'll be there for a while uh but the success of all this comes down to our runners right and i just remember you know the the uh, another foundational piece of project purple is running you know it was so good to me and when i had this idea to start the charity um because running was so good to me and because pancreatic cancer is typically like very negative uh, for families and for actually the people going through it, I wanted to find like a positive outlet. I'm always about positivity. Um, not that I'm like, you know, um, like this, uh, you know, you know, like uh, I, I'm trying to think of an analogy here, but, you know, I, I think I'm always in my life trying to find positive solutions to problems that exist and challenges, I should say. And, you know, this challenge of pancreatic cancer, I thought, you know, this positive solution was running. And so, as Vin mentioned, you know, five spots, which we're blessed to have, it's awesome to be back, but 85 people, right? And so to me, that's 85 people touched by this disease that 80 aren't really going to get an opportunity to run. So that's part of the challenge from our organizational standpoint is like, how can we, you know, provide and grow? It's great to be back in Boston and it's great that we have, you know, these five world majors, you know, the five largest marathons in the world, which is just awesome. And we're one of very few charities that have that designation for, for, you know, 2024. Um, hopefully we'll continue to do that and continue to grow. Um, but it is very, very special to be able to, to, to be, you know, one of very few charities that have spots in all those races, um, which is pretty damn special. All right, one more. We need one more here to kind of round out our 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 top ten moments here, and, and then we'll we'll maybe throw in one or two, but really quick. Anyone have a a, a top ten moment that they want to mention? I, I have two more, but I we can, can go say, two. I can say so. One is our record year in fundraising, and yeah, I'm sure you would. We're going to touch on that. Do you know? I'm assuming you might have touched on that, and we might steal one of yours. But our record year, you know, the teams, I believe, set a record year in their fundraising. The 2023 teams raised $1.35 million. If you add in the 24 teams that are going, it's one46 you know, because that's in this year. Mm -hmm. um, but the total overall for Project Purple is one5 almost one, two, almost 2.6, 2.5, I don't know what the updated numbers are. But as of last week, I think we we're about 5,000 short of 2.6, which... 
as of today, uh, which were, you know, eight days <laughs> to the end of the year, we're like just shy uh, of like business booked. We're uh, over 2.5. I think it's like 2.5, I think. And our run Real rate close. is just yeah. shy of 2.6. I think, you know, we have, you know, the next eight days, um, tend to be very busy, right? Because of people making donations to, you know, for various reasons, whether it's tax or, you know, for whatever the reason may be. So, um, yeah, like we we have a, a very good shot. We've already hit a record, as we said, you know, in the opening, you know, this has been our best year ever at 2.5 you know, million last year with 1.8. So it's a significant increase. Um, and, you know, records are made to be broken. Um, and you know, the bar has been set, but we've got eight days to try to see where that record gets set. Absolutely. Yeah. So just special again, seeing what that growth was from last year and and setting that record. Um, again, being here six years, it's it's just amazing to see, you know, that growth and more runners being involved, more programs opening up, getting our feet into other areas. It all contributes the virtual program, the stories being told, I think, you know, this top 10 moments, I think, culminates with that star, that icing on the cake of that hitting that record. Uh, so, yeah, that was that's one of my last two. Cool. Um, I got one I'm going to throw in here and we're on the podcast. And I know in the opening, you mentioned it, um, but, you know, it's pretty wild. And, and I know, you know, the 100,000 downloads, but, you know, talking to Zach yesterday, you know, and I, again, I, I'm not we look at the numbers. I don't like sit on them and celebrate them. But like yesterday, I was kind of looking at some of the numbers and I was like, wow, man, like the last six months, like our podcast has like, we've seen this massive spike, uh, you know, just across the board and, and views. I was talking also to Sarah on our team um, who does all the video content. And uh, she even said like our YouTube numbers, uh, you know, from podcast episodes have just grown. So to me, you know, the podcast, I mean, this is a really unique podcast because it's about Project Purple, but 99% of our podcasts are about other people, right? And and helping to raise awareness. That's how I've always seen this podcast as, as an awareness tool to amplify and to share. And, you know, it kind of has evolved into, you know, the survivor stories. And, you know, we bring on clinicians to talk about, you know, all the latest and greatest in research and what they're doing, which is awesome. But so I, I think like one of them, for me, the top 10 moments, you know, is like, you know, hitting that number, which is, um, you know, I guess because society were judged by numbers and, and performance, I guess. And, you know, you do have to uh, have that growth mindset. You always have to kind of get better. And I think for us, like hitting that $100,000, you know, download or listen, whatever you want to use, whatever terminology to me, it's all the same, um, you know, it's pretty special. Um, and just to see like, you know, this was just some faint idea with an intern from Quinnipiac who was doing like a sports hockey thing to yeah. see where it's gone, Sam. Um, you know, it's just pretty cool to me. So I, I throw that in as a top 10 moment is just the growth and the evolution of the podcast, um, you know, hitting that big number, which we kind of thought we could do that in the beginning of the year, but I knew we had to kind of push. But this has been a record year in terms of the podcast of all plays. Um, this has been our most successful and highly listened year throughout the last six years. So, which is pretty wild. Yeah. And like, I know we kind of keep going back to it, but it's just so 
I mean, it's so different from like what it started as. Like we when we first did the show, we were just hitting record and kind of like talking. <laughs> we didn't really we didn't know what it was going to be. And I think that personally, like my philosophy with a lot of stuff is like, that's how you should start any, almost any new project. Like you could sit and plan for days and days and days and do nothing. Or if you want to do a podcast, you could just throw a mic on, start playing with some different formats, put it out and see what seems to work. And, you know, for us, obviously, really quickly, we figured out that like the survivor stories, whenever you can get a survivor story or like doctors, experts or, um, you know, and we can do some introspective stuff, but like. I would say that it's it part of the show is a testament to our attitude to like, hey, just get started. Like the pickleball event, like just get started. Um, you can always optimize, you can always tweak things, you can always make adjustments, but you're never going to know how things are until you kick them off. And I mean, I think you can apply that to almost anything in life. Like I think, I think to me, step one is to just go, and step two is to figure out what worked. You know, um, so huge, huge testament to that. I think it like speaks to our culture here as a whole, like our in-house staff culture in the way that we are. Awesome. Well, guys, that's 2023. Thank you guys for uh, allowing uh, the public to to kind of hear uh, our top 10 moments. Thank you guys for all the hard work this year. And uh, thank you to everyone listening and watching. Um, 2023 has been a great year for us. It's been our best year ever. But as I've said before, records are made to be broken. So it's just a matter where the bar gets set. And then 2024, we can't wait to rock and roll literally and physically uh, because we've got big plans and, and big goals to uh, to beat that we set in this year. So awesome stuff. Thank you guys for being uh, on the Project Purple podcast, Vin, for setting the all-time record here in terms of guests. And uh, Zach, uh, welcome. You, you're on your first episode. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me again. Thank you for having me for the first time. <laughs> Thank you, producer Sam, for uh, for once again uh, being part of the Project Purple podcast. Thanks, man. It's been a blast. Uh, can't wait to see where we go. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Project Purple podcast. If you liked today's episode, be sure this episode and follow the Project Purple podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This is a wrap of another episode of the Project Purple podcast. Thanks for listening. And until next time, be safe. <laughs>